on this episode, we have an expert panel of payment and logistic experts who are going to talk about the impact of COVID-19 and what you should know as an e-commerce retailer. Do stay tuned. Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation in the last decade. The widespread adoption of mobile technology, social media, as well as the lowered cost of cloud-based technology have not only eroded the barriers to entry in retail, but it's also led to the rapid rise and dominance of digital native product brands that sell directly to their customers. On this podcast, you'll get the scoop on customer acquisition and retention strategies employed by high growth digital native product brands. Not being afraid to spend because you know that customer is going to pay it back uh, three or four fold. That's when you start to unlock channels in the way that they were meant to be used. Listen to interviews with experts at the forefront of technology and innovation in digital retail. Three years ago, they wouldn't have come to us because yeah, the macro trend of cloud, Wi-Fi, broadband availability, that was a real, that was a real problem. Hear firsthand stories from founders of innovative direct-to-consumer brands. Although I was thinking about the competition, I was more thinking about like, I want to just build a freaking successful business. We focus on driving as much traffic as possible, converting that traffic, uh, and then dumping money back into driving more traffic. These insights will help you consistently 2x growth in specific areas of your direct-to-consumer brand. This is the 2x e-commerce podcast, hosted by Kunle Campbell. What do sophisticated direct-to-consumer brands like ColourPop, Hawkberry and Custom Inc. all have in common? Well, they rely on Klaviyo, the growth marketing platform that powers over 25,000 online businesses. Klaviyo is supported by a dedicated team of experts and it is a platform that processes and consumes more data than any other in the market. Klaviyo helps you own customer experience and grow high value customer relationships. Right from shoppers' first impressions to each subsequent purchase, Clavio will understand every single customer interaction and empowers brands to create more personalized marketing moments. When you have a 360 view on customers, the growth possibilities are endless. Visit clavio.com forward slash 2x to get Clavio's holiday planning guide. Remember, that is Clavio dot com forward slash 2x welcome 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 to the 2x e-commerce podcast show this is kunle and i'm your usual host well um so in line with what was um discussed in the last episode about you know the the general impact of of covid and you know you guys learned um from the legal perspective you learned also from an amazon seller perspective and you also learned from a software applications perspective as to what is going on um i've decided to bring on this episode um two logistics um experts and a payment expert um there this episode um shares a lot of insights as to what is happening what is to happen and you know how to adapt you know as circumstances change um i just i i i'm quite um hopeful i'm quite positive of um 
the of how we come through this and you know how eventually we look back at it and we're like wow you know we did this together but um this episode is super interesting you're going to get a perspective from a global supply chain you know point of view and you know look at the expectations more or less on what payments would look like because um you know you take payments and you are expected to fulfill you know on the promise when you take payments. So I just, this episode is a very special one. Brace yourselves, enjoy, and um, reach out to me on the Facebook group or Twitter, however, um, and, um, you know, enjoy, enjoy this episode. Cheers. Hi guys, welcome, welcome, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. This is your host, Kunle Campbell. And as I promised um, for the next few days, we're going to be having um, expert panels or shows specifically dedicated on how you can potentially handle the COVID-19 you know, um, situation we have at, at hand. Um, it's not a, obviously there's no broad stroke solution to this, but I'm very certain from everybody's insight, you'd be able to take one or two tips that you could, you know, take action with right away in your businesses. And um, on our last show, we had um, uh, an AI, an e-commerce AI expert on board. Um, we had an Amazon person on board and we had an attorney on board. Now on this episode, we are very much knee deep into the e-commerce industry. We have two people or two businesses from the logistics perspective. And um, we have another business, which you most definitely have heard about um, to check out. They're in the payment, you know, um, you know, segment. And, you know, these are kind of like, you know, operational backbone, um, is an operational backbone for any e-commerce business. Um, so, yeah, um, I'm super excited to, 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 to welcome Eric, Raphael, and Yuri to the show. Um, I'm not going to introduce them. They're going to individually introduce themselves. I'm going to start up with Eric. Eric, welcome. Please introduce yourself. Take um, a minute or less. Thank you. I'm Eric Lich. I'm President and Chief Operating Officer of To Checkout. We're leading e-commerce subscription billing and payment processing provider, and we support uh, over 20,000 merchants all over the world. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Thank you. Um, Raphael, please. Yeah. So, hi, everybody. Thank you very much for having us here. Uh, so, my name is Rafael. I'm the CEO of Unicargo. Unicargo is a freight forwarding company dedicated to e-commerce sellers, entrepreneurs, um, mainly Amazon sellers. Um, and yeah, that, that's what we do. We do logistics, air, ocean, road, warehousing, logistics, everything related to moving products from country to country customs regulation, warehousing, reverse logistics, everything related to logistics in the e-commerce world. Super interesting. I have a ton of questions um, for you, Raphael. Okay, and, and then finally, Yuri, how, how, how are you? Um, could you introduce yourself, please, and, and your business? Hello, yes. So I'm uh, Yuri Slapiak. I'm a Chief Operating Officer of Logistics Plus. It's a privately held logistics and solutions company. It's a combination of a 3PL and a 4PL. Uh, it's a company that manages a lot of entire supply chain that includes, you know, sometimes as deep as procurement and skewing identification. And sometimes it's just a transactional freight forwarder that does a lot in the e-commerce world as well. 
Um, you know, we do forward logistics, we do full compliance, we do a lot of uh, cloud support all over the world for a lot of different clients as well. Super, super interesting. Uh, I, and I like the term 4PL. Um, we'll delve into that um, shortly. Okay, I'm going to start out with, um, I really want to get a situation analysis. Um, so we're recording this as at Thursday, the 19th of March. You guys watching it on YouTube or listening to this on a podcast might get it two days later. However, um, today, um, what does it, what, what has the last five days or last week um, look like? Um, I'm going to start again with Eric um, from a payment standpoint. Um, what are your customers experiencing? You service the e-commerce industry, I believe, and subscription economy. Um, I'd love to, to hear um, what you have to say, Eric. Yeah, we handle merchants of all, across all types. So from all you do is provide a subscription service to maybe you just sell software to actually you sell some kind of physical good like sunglasses or whatever you might want to sell, uh, toothbrushes or, you know, um, so we, we handle a lot of different kinds of merchants. And, you know, we, we have obviously lots and lots of transactions go through our platform for these 20,000 merchants. And we did analyze the data on that before the first quarter and looked at to see if any we saw any spikes in volume. And we did not see, before last week, or maybe two weeks ago, we started to see, see a significant change. But last week was very significant in certain countries, right? So last week, we saw massive spikes in Italy and Spain. Hmm. Um, but that's because I think most, most people were focused on physical store channels um, in terms of shoppers. Um, physical store channels in the months of March and early uh, in months of February and early March, because those channels were available and they were the quickest way to access the products that you were looking for. You, you know, you saw people hoarding certain types of products, emptying grocery shelves, things like that. Now that's not really available. So I do believe now we're going to start to see a fairly substantial spike in online traffic and online volume. In the various countries where they're basically prohibiting you from going out and using other channels. Which will bring me to the logistics arms of things. Um, um, there's one thing being able to pay and there's another getting your goods delivered to you in a lockdown. Um, so um, I will move this question off to Raphael. Um, so Raphael, what are you guys seeing? Um, I, what, what have you seen in the past week from a logistics standpoint and um, what do you anticip anticipate? All right. So as we discussed earlier, um, you know, the, the major crisis started with China and now we see that China is slowly getting back on track. Like we did a survey with 50 of our biggest clients, manufacturers, like, and we started surveying, Hey, how, when did you open your factory? how many employees you got back uh, from the Chinese New Year holiday. And we see that from that survey, about 80% of the factories are reopened again. And most of them are working with over 80% capacity, production capacity. So things are looking very good for China now. But the problem is now the US and Europe. Europe is getting on, on a complete lockdown. US is just you know, starting to wake up to, to understand the, the, the size of this crisis. Um, and it's for us, it's a scary situation as well, because think about we have hundreds and hundreds of, of shipments on the way. 
whether most of them by ocean because air freight out of China is getting crazy because all of the passenger airlines have canceled flights until at least end of March, end of April going into China, which means there's no flights out of China as well, which means capacity is very, very low. And that drives prices to, to levels that we, I've never seen before. Um, we're talking about five times higher than the regular uh, market rate. Um, but the scary situation is that nobody knows what's going to happen in the U.S., right? They're going to, you know, if they're going to go under a lockdown, what's going to happen What's going to happen with the port, uh, like the ocean port, mm-hmm. customs, customs officials? How are we going to release all these goods that are on the way? And we're talking about hundreds of shipments making their way to different ports in the U.S. We are seeing a lot of difficulties to move cargo out of Europe as well. And the situation is, it's, you know, I, I, I don't want to be the, the, the bad news breaker, but situation is not really, really looking very good. Amazon have just announced two days ago that they will stop allowing their sellers, their third-party sellers, creating new shipments for their regular products. They've just, they've opened certain categories. Most of their, you know, seller categories, they've locked down and they, you cannot, if you're an Amazon seller, for most of the categories, you cannot create new shipments. And that's, that created a panic, a massive panic around the Amazon seller community because now people have cargo, you know, products in production, but they can ship it out. So they'll either have to skip it in China or send it to a 3PL in the States. But the thing is, when you send it to a 3PL in the States, nobody promise you that that, that 3PL won't be under a lockdown when your cargo will arrive. So there's a big uncertainty in the market right now. And, you know, every day the, the situation is changing. Things are escalating very fast. So you just, you just got to keep on monitoring the situation and act as the whole thing evolves. Interesting. And it's so interesting you have the Chinese perspective because um, you work very closely with Chinese manufacturers yeah. also. So you could, you know, so visualize the entire value chain, you know, supply chain really down to consumers in in, in the West and whether it's Europe, you know, um, or, or the US. Yeah. Okay, which brings me to, to Yuri from, uh, okay, could you please explain what a four P, how a 3PL differs from a 4PL? And then we talk about what your what your situation is right now, um, and what it has been in the past week with with the whole COVID nineteen crisis? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, the three PL is is generally more a transactional type business, where four PL just sort of outsources an entire supply chain to an outside party. So, okay. for example, you know, uh, we are a four PL for for Google and for GE and a few other big companies to where we run their supply chain, we design their forward logistics, reverse logistics, compliance, whatever is needed. To where we don't, we sometimes manage their carriers on their behalf. Mm-hmm. So again, we don't necessarily do the transactional business for them, but we just we manage overall the supply chain, the aspect of supply chain they want us to. So think of it kind of just as a as a outsourcing your entire let's say traffic department rather than just you know uh, bidding out or having certain shipments or lane or specific lanes handled. Super, super. And, um, so, so yeah. you, you, what, what, what are your typical clients? Um, you know, you, you mentioned Google. Um, do, do you typically work with conglomerates, or um, is it a mix with you know um, small, smaller you know uh, merchants and, and you know bigger merchants? 
No, usually it's, you know, on the 4PL side, it's some of the larger companies that have very complex supply chains, companies that kind of want to bring in some business intelligence and optimizations into their supply chain without wanting to invest massive amounts of money into whether it's, you know, technology or people. It's a it's an outsource model. So basically our motto, our, our pitch to them is always saying, okay, well, if you're going to build locomotives, build locomotives, and then let us handle your supply chain. That's not, supply chain is not your core competency. It is ours. Mm. Where, so, where are you dialing from? What, what what states are you dialing from? Uh, I'm dialing from Erie, Pennsylvania. From Pennsylvania, and, okay. Uh, yeah, so so far in Erie, we have one one confirmed case of oh, coronavirus, okay. Okay. and majority of our employees are at work in the office. Okay. Um, we have left it totally open to people, so if people are you know if they feel unsafe or whatever, they can work from home, but they still have an option to come into the office at least for now, and uh, most of the employees are here. And in the office, so we have, uh, we're in the old train station and have about 200 people sitting at this location. Okay, 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 incredible, incredible. And um, so what kind of signals are you getting from your clients that, um, you know, that, that sort of given an atmosphere of uncertainty or, you know, of uncertainty, uncertainty would be the right word for this? Yeah, honestly, I mean, there's a lot of panic in the industry. There's certainly panic. And uh, like, you know, I second a lot of what Rafael has mentioned, too, because it's a domino effect. It's not a U.S. issue. It's not a Europe issue. It's not a China issue. It certainly is a big global issue. And it's a it's a simple supply and demand. And, you know, you can talk about saying, OK, well, what can you deliver from from Amazon? Well, there's a lot of products that are out of stock because there's, you know, there's no supply from China or supply is just kind of slowly reopening. So it's a, it's a massive issue. And with the airline cancellations and, uh, you know, majority of the freight moves in passenger airplanes and a lot of these, you know, a lot of the flights have been canceled. So, uh, you know, so the, the rates are through the roof. And, um, you know, we've seen even certain shifts where we are not necessarily helping our clients with their supply chains. We're actually helping them staff up and have the infrastructure to be able to work from home. So we are shipping hundreds of monitors, computers and different things that, uh, you know, to thousands of employee homes so they can be able to work and, you know, provide you know, services to their employers from home. So it's a, it's a big, it's, it's a big issue. And, uh, you know, especially with the service industry, with unemployment rates, there's certainly a lot of, um, you know, there's certainly a lot of changes, a lot of, a lot of panic. And our motto is just, you know, we will continue to do whatever we can get creative. If there's cargo stock in JFK, we'll truck it to Miami and try to fly it out. So kind of, you know, it, this is the ability to, you know, that, that certain companies will do really well. And those are the companies that have entrepreneurial spirit and ability to kind of solve problems because a lot of the bigger guys are kind of shutting down and saying like, oh, well, we can't work. Everything is bad. So, you know, this type of market also creates certain opportunities and allows you to, you know, to kind of to go to bed for your customers and for them to really see your value. Because when everything's going great, anybody can do it. It's when times get tough, that's when, you know, you really find out where your partners are. Super, super interesting. I like that. Um, where there's obviously that silver lining there. Let's take this quick break to hear from our sponsors. Let's take a quick break to talk about screwing up. Accidents happen. Perhaps you installed an app that messed up your theme or a CSV import completely messed up your product catalog. Common myth, cloud-based e-commerce platforms like Shopify and BigCommerce have automatic backup solutions you can use when something goes wrong with your store. This is simply untrue. They don't. Myth busted. 
So what do you do? You use Rewind. Rewind will protect Shopify and BigCommerce stores with automatic backups. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Rewind is trusted by over 25,000 businesses from side hustles to the biggest retail brands you can think of. Gymshark, Movement Watches, and Pampers all use Rewind for automatic backups. So here's a deal for 2Xs. If you head over to rewind.io, which is R-E-W-I-N-D.io, install Rewind, you'll get to use it for free for seven days. If you reach out to the Rewind team and mention the 2X e-commerce podcast, they'd extend your seven-day trial for a full month for free. Enjoy peace of mind with Rewind backups. Remember to head over to rewind.io and don't forget to mention the 2X e-commerce podcast for a full month trial. Eric, um, so we've talked about the the past week um, and, you know, um, things as unfolding right now. Um, what are your projections, um, you know, moving forward? So um, this morning, um, a lockdown was... Um, was announced in in the city of London, you know, and that's 10 million people, um, huge, you know, financial hub in the world, one of the most important cities in the world. Um, that's probably going to escalate, you know, across the UK. Um, you know, New York is considering that. Um, where do you see payments going? I know you don't have a crystal ball, but, um, you know, the patterns you're probably seeing, um, you've seen, you know, um, from the past will um, kind of give you, a bit of an indication of you know, where you think things will go from a payment standpoint, because you're at the demand side, and um, and and, and Raphael and, and and Yuri are, are more in the delivery side. Um, so so what, what what are you seeing? So now that people are potentially going to be stuck at home, um, where, where do you see payments in, in e-commerce and you know generally for for all merchants? You, you said. Well, the good news for the payments industry is over the last, you know, 15 years, it has become almost entirely digitized to the point that there's very little manual uh, processes, things that require people to be inside an office together to handle the transaction or anything related to the transaction. So the payments industry is very well prepared for something like this. Um, the problem is, is that the other ends of the um, the process, if you will, which they were just talking about in terms of logistics and delivery, is not. That still requires people. It still requires people to manage the the cases and the and the products as they move through the warehouses and the assemblies and the delivery, the actual physical delivery. <clears throat> so I think what this is going to probably um, result in, I'll talk a couple things. One, in terms of volumes, um, you're going to see a massive shift of payment volume from physical locations yeah. to online channel in the categories that you would expect. You're going to see a massive shift for food. Um, so lots of food is going to move through online payment. Um, you're going to see essentials, things like paper products and any home goods, the things that you need to actually live your day-to-day life inside the home. You're probably going to see a plummet in luxury products. Um, so things that Alexa you announced the shutdown of their factories. Yeah, yeah, you're going to see a massive plummet in luxury products, our products related to vacations, and and you're going to see a reduction, a substantial reduction in payments related to 
obviously buying vacations and purchasing plane tickets and all of those kinds of things. So you're going to see this, the payments industry is going to see this massive shift in payment volume from those kinds of products to the products that I mentioned before, which is primarily food and staples and things like that. But those are going to see substantial increases. Um, and uh, and that's what should be expected from the payments industry. Um, but, you know, I think on the physical goods side um, in the logistics, you know, I think this will be a wake up call. You know, lots of people have talked about drone delivery and all kinds of automation around that. But, but really, how do you prepare your supply chains and your logistics to be able to be essentially pandemic proof or global disaster proof? And, um, and that'll be an interesting development over the next one to three years that, that uh, and it'll take a long time. Going to, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. there'll be a lot of topics on this, yes. Okay. Um, so, you know, if you look at the groceries industry, um, I don't know what the figures are in the United States, but um, that they're almost single digits um, in, in most countries as compared to, to physical. Um, do you, would you, for, 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 for more food to shift online, um, we, we, we need to up our game with deliveries. Um, where, you know, how, what comes, you know, that has to come, you know, first, and that will take time. Um, so we had well, like a... Yeah, sure. I was going to say, that, that's probably the biggest obstacle right now, which is mm-hmm. that a lot of companies like Amazon have invested in delivery capabilities, and Walmart and others have invested a lot in really good delivery capabilities around food and groceries. However, this puts a huge strain on everything they built because in the end, those rely on people mm-hmm. um, and, and interaction with people. And so um, that you're going to probably see, you know, you, some of these companies say same day within a couple hours kind of delivery. Those are probably going to switch to something like maybe two days or three days um, mm-hmm. if, if they can fulfill the order at all. Um, which I, I do envision them to be able to fulfill these orders because there's going to be so much volume. The companies that have invested in the infrastructure to be able to automate and handle these kinds of deliveries, I think are going to do extraordinarily well um, over the next you know several months um, mm-hmm. because they have the capability to actually be able to handle um, it, even next day delivery or two day delivery right now is going to be considered pretty awesome. Absolutely, absolutely. Rafael, where where do you see um, what what's your, what's the outlook? So what's what's your you're 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 dialing in from from Israel, right? From from Tel Aviv, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. So is are your operations very human? So you, obviously you have logistics. You you have offices in China and all over the world. Um. But in in Israel, you know, how many people are, are at the office right now? Right now, we are about four people out of 40 here in our, in our Israel office. Um, we are all set to be working from home. Um, Israel is taking extreme measures to try and contain that virus and not become the next Italy or the next, you know, yeah. other country in Europe. Because I, I think they are doing good. I th- I, I'm, I'm pro lockdown. I would rather than having a complete lockdown and getting rid of it like in a month or two months like China did or South Korea did, right? If you don't enforce a complete lockdown, you just, you can't control the whole thing. You, you just can't control people affecting other people. And, 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 and that's a problem. So everything here, most of the shops are closed. Shopping mall, malls are closed. 
and we expect the government to put a complete lockdown under the law so you can get fined if you go out you'll get fined um and to be honest i think this that, that's the right way to 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 try and contain the whole situation because mm-hmm. again as long as people are outside they are just infecting each other and 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 you just you can't get rid of it this way you just it's just getting worse and worse uh we see numbers getting you know people are you know new affected like 100 people a day um but you know that they say by the statistics it'll double itself every 2 or 3 days yeah. so it can get very bad like in 2 weeks if we don't contain it right now yeah 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 and so you know china is sort kind of sorted now um what what what's your outlook what what is your you know one month outlook you know moving you know looking forward um for for, for logistics for at, at a global scale well from what we see as far as china there is two there is, it, it, i i can divide it into two separate topics china production capacity which we see it goes um much better now and it it gets better by the day but then you look at the logistics capacity again ocean freight out of china is fine is working it's operational that's not a problem the problem is at the destination country how you gonna how how affected it's going to be on the destination country would you be able to customs release it would you be able to find the truck to do it in the right price and the right quote you gave your client um as you said there are always solutions you can move things from port to port you you will be able to find the solution the question is how much is going to cost um but as far as china i would expect from the numbers and the analysis we do with our our chinese office and and you know talking to all these chinese manufacturers every day we we expect china to be back on track production wise by may most of the factories will be over 80% production capacity and things will almost look as normal as as it was last year um China was handling that crisis very well to my opinion um but yeah production wise we see things going very well in the next month and i expect by may most of the things will get back to normal most of the factories logistics wise air freight you know it really depends how the situation will evolve in the world um most of the passenger airlines has canceled the flight till mid April mid April start of April so we don't see any you know we don't see any improvement we don't expect to see any improvement on the air freight sector by mid April start of May now even when they'll start you know kickstarting the, the jumping up the the, the flights again you're still going to have a massive massive backlog of goods trying to go out of China Um so you know logistics wise air freight I would expect things and again it depends on how the situation evolves worldwide because we as we said that's a worldwide crisis now that's on not only China or a certain country that's all over the world um uh, but I would expect things to get better logistics wise by again mid May start of June 
unfortunately. And that's a long time from now. It's like three months. And, and, and there's also the demand side, you know, to think about. So, you know, I can't imagine um, shopping, just alluding to, to what, what Eric said, I can't imagine, you know, shopping for non-essentials right now. Um, yeah. That has a rippled effect on what's coming in, you know, what, you know, merchants are going to um, potentially order um, to, to stock, what kind of inventory they're going to stock. Yeah, so basically we see a major spike in office supplies because people are at home and, you know, you have kids yeah. at home. So we see a major spike in office supplies, medical devices, um, and basically essentials. Just, as you said, household goods, um, just regular products, essential products. We see a major spike and a major demand for moving those goods out of China. Uh, again, the problem is capacity. Um, and also, even um, laptops. So, so my, my wife works for a huge publisher and, um, you know, they were not really prepared, you know, um, you know online for, for, for moving, for remote working. And, you know, they're order, ordering thousands of, um, you know, laptops to, to give people who, you know, essentially are always on desktops in, in, in their offices across the world. Um, and yeah, it's, it's incredible, you know, and yeah. uh, it's, it's obviously challenging, I think. The problem is, you know, a lot of people are get, getting laid off and, and uh, there'll be less money to spend. And as we all know and forecast, we're going to an economic slowdown. So, you know, as you said, luxurious goods are going to take a major hit. Um, household goods will be on the rise. Um, the question is, you know, how long will it take us to, to, to get back on track economically? You know, people getting back to work. You know, a lot of these companies, a lot of these small companies, um, SMBs are going to have a lot of trouble getting back on track because, you know, they've been shut down. Um, and once they'll get back to work, you know, they, they, a lot of people are going to be in debt. Um, so many, I, I expect many employees, they won't be able, they won't have, a place to go back to because these companies are going to get in trouble financially um, because no, so of their bailouts are, you know, massive, uh, massive scale, um, which, which is complex in itself. Yeah. Yuri, um, from, from your perspective, from, from the 4PL perspective, obviously your clients are, you know, conglomerates um, and they, they need an entire, their entire logistics and supply chain sorted by companies like yours. What do you think the, the outlook, you know, is from, from, their, from, 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 from that perspective in, in the next quarter or so? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the outlook is pretty bad at this point because, you know, even though the factories in China are reopening, but then the, you know, the the the, the main factories here, uh, you know, whether it's the big, you know, the 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 Detroit companies or whether it's the, you know, the aviation side, they are, you know, facing possibilities of shutdown. So kind of it's it's it becomes the reverse. You know, they needed the supply, the demand was there, but supply wasn't there, and now the supply you know, is reopening, but the demand is dwindling. So it's a, you know, it's, it's a massive effect. And, uh, you know, to kind of very similar to outlook to what Rafael has said, you know, right now what we're seeing is that quite a few airlines are putting passenger aircraft in rotation to move cargo. So the airplanes fly completely empty, but the belly is loaded with cargo even without, and it still can be actually profitable without the passengers and their, and their luggage. 
Um, you know, some airlines, some big ones will absolutely need bailouts. Some of the really big ones are, are running completely out of cash. And this is still early in this. It's going to take a long time for for that uh, demand to come back, especially for the normal travelers and everything else. So for, from what we're seeing is they're repurposing their aircraft for more um cargo uh we as a company i mean we are you know quoting and moving certain charters and that's also that's one way to keep your supply chain going it's a very expensive way but um you know it takes about five to six days to set up a charter between let's say china and united states and you know if you have a customer that doesn't quite need the entire charter but you have two or three of them and then you can open it in the market and look for you know ask other three pls four pls your competitors and say hey guys we haven't half an half an aircraft we need to fill up so there is a way to create some of this capacity and that's something that that we are doing so kind of as i mentioned it's the kind of the, the creativity and and the, and the drive what's going to kind of keep a lot of these strategic goods that are moving but at the same time it will affect a lot of companies. A lot of companies that are not financially strong strong will just run out of money. And there could be potential bankruptcies. And as you mentioned, bailouts. Bailouts will go to the big guys. The, the smaller size companies, the medium sized companies will have to survive on their own. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, we, we as a company and a lot of our customers, we are hoping on the time frame that Rafael has mentioned. Because, you know, there was no new cases today in China. And, uh, you know, we've hoped that the U.S. can kind of follow the same, like it hasn't peaked yet, but once it peaks, it starts to go down and life starts to kind of resume to, no- to normal. But there is always a risk of, of second waves. That's, and, that's the thing, even in China. Even in China. And because actually, not, not, the, the entire population haven't built the immunity against the, you know, the virus. The, the virus, yep. So, so there is a lot of uncertainty. And, and the issue here is that nobody really knows. No. So a lot of the stuff is opinions, speculations, but nobody really knows. A lot of people didn't think this would go this far. And, uh, you know, and, and the thing is, it's just you have to be nimble and kind of, you know, reactive and just deal with any situation that is thrown at you. And that's kind of that's the way that m- most companies should deal with, because that's what will help everybody. The global well, economy what, come back. what are you seeing from your clients? You know, how are your clients communicating the the situation? Because um, one one advice, you know, um, that's going around, circulating around the, the e-commerce industry is, you know, Get the situation from the get get the, the the actual situation from your logistics partner and communicate effectively with your customer base as to what things are looking like you know right now. Um, so, what are you seeing your best in class clients doing from a communication standpoint with their clients as to you know the situation with with delivering, you know, with last mile, um, with getting the goods to who they're intended to, to, to get to. Yeah. You know, the, the communication largely are, are good. I mean, th- these clients have many, you know, they have many people on staff, they have medical experts, they have, you know, uh, very complex BI capabilities. So they are, you know, trying to do a great job keeping their customers informed. They are trying to build contingency plans. You know, they are reaching out to us, you know, uh, kind of very proactively and saying, okay, guys, like, w- w- is there anything we can do? 
And, and, you know, so what we're doing is we're opening up a lot of emergency warehousing that is more kind of inland, you know, whether it's a, a EAPA or whether it's, you know, Ohio, Minnesota, you know, away from some of the major trading hubs that might be closing down. And uh, again, it just uh, common sense dictates that the situations might not be as bad in these regions. So what we're doing, we're stepping up a lot of, you know, additional emergency warehouses. We're trying to reroute some of the cargo to bypass some of the hot zones and kind of continue to operate. So it's just, it's a lot of communication back and forth. It's a lot of kind of, you know, whiteboarding it where you just look at a board and say, okay, well, here's what we think, here's what's going to happen. We don't really know, but here's some of the steps that could potentially, you know, help you if best case scenario, worst case scenario. So just kind of, you know, a lot of communication and a lot of kind of proactive planning is the, you know, is, is the key in, in these instances. Interesting. Yeah, I, I have some, I have some uh, comments on that, that just around payment. Yes, please um, go for it. So, so one of the things that merchants need to be prepared for, I think, is probably a spike in chargebacks and refunds. Hmm. Um, and they need to be able to um, actually have really robust ways in which they communicate to their buyers. So, and make it clear what the risks are. So if you're saying it's a five to seven day delivery uh, time frame. You need to maybe provide yourself some wiggle room to say this time frame may be impacted by disruptions in transportation because of the yeah. pandemic. And we will give you, you know, a tracking number and communicate with you if there are any delays. Um, and I would probably forecast an increase in chargebacks and refunds because when the when the customer doesn't get it in five to seven days, they're going to immediately call Visa, MasterCard, their bank, and say, I never got this product when I wanted it. And so uh, I reverse the charge. So I, I do predict that there's going to be a spike in, and, in and that, And do you think um, Visa or MasterCard would change their policies slightly to be a bit forgiving to merchants given the situation? Well, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen anytime in the near term. So uh, I think you have to rely on them keeping their policies the way they are. Communication so is absolutely essential. I think. Yeah. So you want the shopper, the buyer, to not actually institute that chargeback, and so open communication, continuous communication is really, really important. But I mean, just from a forecasting perspective, I would probably, if I was a merchant, forecast an increase in chargebacks and refunds. Interesting. Thank you. That, that's excellent advice. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even think about. Okay, guys, we're going to wrap up with one final question. Everybody um, should kindly, you know, um, answer, which is, um, what's your remote working um, situation or strategy if you know you haven't um, deployed remote working as yet um, in this um, crisis? I'll start out with Raphael. <laughs> that's, a, that's an interesting question. For me, all of the employees, all of the offices are well equipped to be working from home. We are all connected. We are, you know, meeting twice a day over Zoom meetings and, you know, video conferences. For me what's personally, it's stack a, like, sorry to interject, but everybody, um, what's your tech stack like? And Raphael, sorry, I just wanted to add that um, to, for, for that enabling, you know, efficient to remote working. Well, uh, I was starting to say that for me personally, I have three little boys at home. You know, the, my oldest son is three years old. And if we are going into a lockdown, I won't have the nanny and I'll be, I'll need to, I'll need to go on a vacation at home or helping the wife with the babies. Uh, but, you know, 
the, the department managers, they all have their own routines with their teams. And, you know, we have our own uh, BI systems and analysis ways to, to make sure everything is on track and, you know, shoot up uh, exceptions if anything needs uh, like an urgent attention. We set up like a, a 24-7 customer support teams that, you know, if, as Eric says, delays are going to be a major thing now, you know, delays in transportation, delays in clearances, delays in getting your product on your, you know, you got a quote, you, you estimated your, your transit time, but that's going to change. I, I would say that's going to change in some time. It's going to change dramatically. So as Eric is preparing for refunds, we are preparing for a lot of complaints, you know, for a lot of clients pushing and going crazy. Well, my, where's my cargo? Where's my cargo? So we actually set up, 24-7 support teams that will be on duty to just answer those calls and make sure uh, we are doing everything in order to meet those transit times to the clients. Interesting, super, super interesting. Um, and, and then Yuri, what, what, what does it, what, what, I know you guys are still, you know, um, based in the office, but, you know, in the event um, that there's a required or mandated, um, you know, um, remote working um situation what you know um what what would it look like and what 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 technology what, te- what tech stack would you you know um put in place to yeah, you know it's, it's an it's an excellent question we're very well prepared for something like this so two things one you're not as affecting working from home as you are from the office so there's certainly a downside but you know for us for example logistics industry is 24 7 so, you know, when I'm done with my work, the work in Australia, Indonesia starts. So majority of our people, about 99% of people are remote anyways. They take their laptops home, they have their VPNs, they have access to our systems. So to be honest with you, a lot of them have full scanning capability. So they are able to work, you know, to work from home with almost no disruption to the process itself. It's just, you know, so being kind of a non-asset and being in the service industry, that certainly is a benefit and easy for us to scale up. It's, you know, it's for the manufacturers. When they are at home, they certainly can't manufacture anything. So that's kind of, that's the bigger issue. Mm. But from the working home standpoint, we are prepared. We use, you know, whether it's Teams or Zoom and those, you know, th- those tech stocks right now are going, you know, going way up. I mean, I don't know if it's if, if it's still going up with the entire collapse of the financial markets. But, um, you know, these are very effective tools. And I mean, we're, we're using one right now and, you know, from all over the world. And it's a it's an effective communication tool. So, you know, I feel like our company is probably not as affected by, working remotely as some of the, you know, some of the other, the, the big, uh, the, whether it's the manufacturers or people that, you know, have to work from a, from a certain location. Fantastic. Eric, you're, you're dialing in from home and um, I think your entire team is, is now, you know, working remote. What, what, what does it look like um, and um, how prepared were you guys? Um, Luckily, we prepared for this actually pretty early and procured laptops for the people that didn't have them installed encryption software on those laptops. Uh, we deal with payment information and data. So obviously everything for us is about security um, and accessibility. So we went to 100% remote uh, several weeks ago before a lot of this um, really became really bad. Um, and we can sustain 100% remote work um, for the foreseeable future. Um, we use collaboration tools, various ones, just because certain, you know, certain ones are better for certain purposes. We use Skype, we use Slack, we use GoToMeeting. Um, and then uh, um, everything is VPN access into our systems. 
Um, even in our data center, we, we, we don't need to physically go there to administer our applications and, and servers and everything. So, um, so we're pretty well suited for this. Um, like I said, I think the payments industry um, was well prepared for something like this. I think it's the other industries that are not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, Do you have daily standoffs with, um, um, with employees? Oh yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Different teams. I mean, we're a software company, so and we work in an agile, um, agile um, methodology, and so it's very necessary for us to have daily team meetings and uh, across the various teams that we have. Um, so uh, lots of virtual meetings, like like Yuri said. Um, but um, you know, some people actually say that they're more productive at home because uh, they don't have you know workers constantly coming to them. And the kids are around and not. <laughs> It does that, that that does make it hard because the kids are out of school, exactly. and so they're, they're there to kind of like pester them. Exactly. Um, but uh, yeah. Exactly. And um, where are you typically based, if if not working remote? What states in um, America? You? We're headquartered out of Atlanta, Georgia, um, okay. and and Bucharest, Romania, and Amsterdam, uh, Netherlands. Global. So uh, those are our, those are our main offices. Okay. Um, but we have people all over the world. Okay. Incredible, incredible. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Um, I, I got a lot of insights into um, the front and the back, you know, and, you know, the the backbone. Um, thank you, gentlemen, for, for coming, you know, Eric, Raphael and Yuri. Um, it's really, really, really appreciative. Um, yeah, I would. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're grateful. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very much, everyone. Be safe, everyone. Stay safe. Yeah. Stay safe. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X e-commerce. We encourage you to connect with our community of 2X e-commerce listeners on our Facebook group, e-commerce growth accelerator mastermind. Just search for 2X e-commerce on Facebook to find it, answer three questions and you'll be approved. Grab the show notes of this episode on our website, 2xecommerce.com. Finally, if you haven't already, give the show a review on your podcasting app. Catch you on the next show and keep growing.